0: Well, why don't you introduce yourself, guest? Guest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, hi, I'm John Collins. I'm an industry analyst working out of the UK, and uh, therefore, I, I guess what we try to do over here is is, is pretend that we have some kind of European uh, uh, magic source that we can apply to things mm. and uh, and uh, I- explain things from, from this perspective, because... Uh, because otherwise, we're just all the same, right? So, yeah. Um, well, you definitely get up earlier. So you were, I'm looking earlier. at the world from a European perspective.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs>
0: that's what, for sure. Yeah. So we got five hours on you guys.
1: Exactly. You know, and and what I what I've noticed over over the years about the uh, particular, I don't know if it's true of the Continentals, as it were, but the uh, the British analysts, y'all are a little bit more feisty than than uh, us American people. I don't I don't know how that I, came I think about. It, some
0: of that some of that comes from I mean, essentially, one thing that's very clear from over here compared to over your side of the pond is that a lot of ideas are already worked out by the time Mm -hmm. they get here. So that gives you two choices, and and both really fit in with with what industry analysts do over here. One is they all present themselves as uh, go-to-market analysts because, oh, yeah, sure, you've worked it all out, but now let's see how it's going to work in Germany, in Finland, in France, in uk whatever uh, and the other thing is y- y- you've got to have strong opinions because otherwise
1: uh people just say well yeah we- don't worry we've worked it all out it's all sorted <laughs> that's right we've well got it right. handled i like that that's, that's a good motivation like to uh, to be to be a so, tall blade yeah, yeah, yeah. of grass it, it, it's not that people go out of their way to do
0: that it's just the only ones that actually ever get heard are the ones that do that and so it, all you ever see is the subset of really vocal uh, analysts because uh the, the quiet
1: ones are just well who, who even are they who knows exactly well well today so, uh, I, I thought i thought brandon and i would get together to, in, to interview someone about uh the, i don't know i mean this kind of stuff always is a, is a little weird for people but i think in our area of caring about infrastructure software and it departments everyone's probably been hearing about uh you know GDPR. John has been really good at making sure I say GDPR, not RP. Did I get that right? <laughs> you did. You did. It's the General Data Protection Regulation. And and uh, I uh, I started being interested in this. I actually got a um, I haven't I f- I forgot to tell Brandon this story, but I got a uh, uh, an email from one of our, our sponsors on Software Defined Talk, and they kept sending me these emails that I needed to like pledge my compliance to G- GDPR. And uh, it was one of those like emails that was like a form letter, and it seemed um, seemed very official, and uh, you know they had uh-huh. the, the high and tight cut, and and they kept I kept ignoring it, and then they kept incrementing like this is the second email we've sent, this is the third email we sent, so finally with the fourth email I was like this looks like I'm about to get carpet bombed or something, and so uh-huh. uh, I replied back and I said well you know here's how much money y'all have paid us in the past. And I'm pretty sure I would blow all that budget hiring a lawyer to figure out what all this meant. Uh, and and if it is about customer data, we don't have any of that, and no, neither do we sell in Europe. And so I think uh, I got like a delightful email back, and they said, "Oh yeah, we talked about this, and it doesn't apply to you." So that was my my introduction. But why don't you give us <laughs> <laughs> why don't you give us a better introduction that's not based on uh, my tomfoolery? What what is this GDPR? Okay, so. I think that's
0: a great tagline. We talked about this and it doesn't apply to you. And we'll come back to that because it's very, very relevant. Yeah. Um, so if anyone's been following the kind of direction data protection has taken over the past couple of decades, um, it's quite good to see GDPR as an evolution, not a revolution. That that That's certainly a start. So as people in the i'll just say in the west no so we're talking between the u.s and uh uh, western economies as opposed to what's going on in singapore and china and, and 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 so on which which is different um there's a european view which is that customers are um really important to protect and then there's probably a u.s view which is let's see what we can get away with and uh if we break something then then we're going to get hit for that but until we do then probably we're doing the right thing so we've got this this dichotomy and there were things back in the day like safe harbor act uh, where data was stored in the us of 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 eu citizens etc that 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 was kind of knocked out of the park last year i think uh, but overall in europe we've had a kind of well privacy's important attitude and that started back in the day with uh, the UK's Data Protection Act, the EPA. Uh, that's how I can say GDPR, because I just added G and changed the R to an A. <laughs> right. That's how I do it. Um, and uh, I spoke to a lawyer. So this is coming straight from a, a lawyer from uh, Field Fisher, uh, who I was at an event with a few weeks ago, just before Christmas. And she said to me, GDPR is essentially everything we already had in terms of data protection best practice turned into legislation and then there's a very big fine put onto it Mm. so what's happened before gdpr came in and it still hasn't come in but there's a slightly different law for germany there's a slightly different law for spain and uk etc etc all of the laws are being put into into the same law which is why it's 276 pages or something horrendous. And then if you don't follow that generalized law, hey, that's the G, I just worked it out. Um, if you don't follow that generalized law, then I can't remember the exact fine, but it's something like 20 million euros or 10% of your uh, turnover. Yeah, so I, it, I, remember, I remember reading that huge. and
1: thinking like that. that's, uh, that's some motivation right there that's 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 a huge uh, fine and and it, does turnover mean like top right i assume it's top line revenue right like not not profit
0: i think so wow i think so it's it's <laughs> hefty um so yeah it, and i think they did that because it's very easy to kind of hide revenue and so on so um and just say well if it's 10 percent of profits we well, didn't make any profits you know we're we're one of those companies that Somehow manages to avoid making profit altogether. Uh, um, so doesn't you know we can get away with that. Um, but that if you take away that fine, here's an interesting thing. If you take away that fine, what we really have is a refresh of data protection law that's now being pri- applied universally across organisations that manage data for European citizens. Mm, right. So nothing's really changed from that perspective. Add the fine, and suddenly everyone's talking about it. I, I get I wouldn't say I get stopped in the street about this, but people in my local I, I run in the evenings and people in my local running club, you're running along, you're trying to relax, forget work, and someone says, Oh, GDPR, what's that about? And you're like, Guys, really? Not now.
2: <laughs> so,
0: it's stunning.
2: Why do you think that is though? What, well, um, my guess is it's the fines, right? The fines is what has people's attention, versus um you know, the, the rank and file person being like, Oh, it's great. My data is going to be more protected. Like, I think it's, it's not that it's the other, it's the fact that people are just afraid that they're going to be hit with some enormous fine. And, um, is that true? What's your take on that?
0: It, it must be the fine. Cause that's the only thing that's of any significant difference compared to six months ago. But if you ask someone, ah, oh, it's cause you're worried about the fine. They go, no, no, no. It's just, everyone's talking about it. So okay. it, it's, it's one of those things that, um, it's, generated momentum it's almost gone viral as a, as a regulation which um uh is, is the strangest thing but it, the thing that has to be driving it behind the scenes is the fact that everyone's very uh jumpy about finally uh that there's a really big stick we can be hit over the head by uh, and no one wants to be hit by the big stick
1: no no that's definitely bad you only want to burn sticks to make s'mores things like that it's definitely (laughs) only for desserts that's what sticks are for that's right so so can you give us a sense of like the general like i don't know how many there are out of 280 pages but like what are the general like goals or 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 guidelines uh that that are trying to be accomplished here like you know um data privacy is always a vague thing i wouldn't say it's always in the eye of the beholder but you have to be kind of specific about what you mean by that um and and so like what what's what's the combination of what's trying to be accomplished and how um, uh, GDPR is prescribing how it should be accomplished? Okay. I'm going to make something up. This is straight off the top of my head, Um,
0: but this feels right. So let's go with it. So it's a combination of responsibility, of accountability, and of – i can't think of another ability so it's going to be justification (laughs) let me just run through those three so um let me just run through those three things so it's um the the first one is responsibility so what's happened in the past is that um people have been able to say yeah but it's not my data i'm just using a data data from another source if you process data about people then You can't hide and say, well, it's someone else's data. You you have to say, no, I'm processing it. I'm using this data about this person, and therefore uh, I'm in the firing line if I I get this wrong. Mm -hmm. And so the second um, uh, is then uh, the justification aspect. Um, And that is – how do they put this? It's about um, legitimate – use and legitimate right to process. So if I want to send you an email, you're already a customer of mine. You bought a car from me. You've bought some drugs from me, Um, legal pharmaceutical drugs from me. (laughs) I threw in there quickly. Um, You bought a book from me, whatever. I've got legal justification to hold data about you in order to say by the way there's an update to that you know the uh, we've got a new car model out i've just uh, re-released the second edition of that book whatever that's that's fair enough and that's that's legitimate interest and legitimate use i've also then got legitimate interest and legitimate use to to process your data in in some way so to to take that information and find out your reading habits and find out uh whether or not you might want other books um where i where that draws the line is the the accountability section so if i can say look i'm an author i'm sending out books to people and uh so i'm just keeping a list of all the people that have bought my books fair enough if i also say i'm holding lists of their kids interests um and their friends and uh and as as soon as it starts to kind of be discomforting in terms of why I'm holding that information and that accountability, then all bets are off. And that's, that's the dangerous stuff. And what a lot of companies do, and you know this from an infrastructure perspective, to date there's been an attitude of there's so much data, I don't know how to decide what to keep and what not to keep, so I'm just going to keep everything. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. You can't do that anymore. Which is a really, really interesting change. Um, so, mm. keeping every strategy and GDPR are mutually exclusive.
1: Well, that, that's interesting. So, so I mean, talk about that a little bit more because that is, yeah, yeah. That that's that's a good point. That like, um, uh, storage is so cheap, and like, you know, I don't know. All the Hadoop people were like, oh, we're solving every, the world's problems, like you know, eight or years ago, and so on. so everyone will just uh, keep lots of data, but. I, I guess I guess it's sort of like uh, hoarding that information. Like, who knows what will happen to it? So that's kind of problematic, as the kids say nowadays. Mm-hmm. But like, so what does an organization need to do with all of that data? Like, do you have to catalog it all, like some big Indiana Jones warehouse, or like what? What do you do with that now? We
0: don't have to. You don't have to say why you're holding each particular piece of data. You do have to say why you're doing stuff at the metadata level so yeah mm. here's all the kinds of information we're holding about our customers and this is why and uh, in practical terms that's not that hard uh
2: yeah. from the
0: point of view of, of what you're trying to do and if you can't do that um well there could be a, a sort of weakness in your business anyway so it, it's a worthwhile exercise and i know we've as, as a kind from an uh, I always think analysts have got it so easy. You can kind of wax lyrical and say, "Well, people should do this," uh, <laughs> right. and it's easy to say that when you're sitting on a comfy chair and you're just staring into space. But but you try it when you've got a thousand other things uh, that are calls on your time and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, no, so your you're, your metaphor really is like really you're pushing that up. Your metaphor is right. You're like some sort of uh, you know wealthy lord Renaissance philosopher. Just sort of talking about <laughs> talking about the ethics and the morals from your uh, your comfortable perch of heated beds and uh, venison stew. Uh, I imagine that's what people ate back then. I have no idea, but um, yeah. No, that, so that's interesting. One is just uh, justification of why you're holding the, the the data or the data, and so so that makes a lot of sense. And and uh-huh. so le, le, to summarize it, um, their GDPR sort of specifies. Here's types of data and things you would do with it. And there are certain types of data that we don't really like. We'll regulate it in so much as we say we don't like care about it too much. But when it comes to like products people have bought or you using it to recommend products that they might want to buy, there's almost like this one-to-one relationship between the company and the person. And as long mm-hmm. as there's this pipe between them, and it's only between these two people that this pipe you know, stuff is happening to it, like, that's fine. But when you sort of extend when you try to like get into the rest of their life and track other people, uh, and do stuff that I guess people would think creepy, that seems to be basically the, um, I forget the name of the the US judge, but it's sort of like the pornography thing, right? Like, I'll know the mm-hmm. creepiness when I see it. But as, mm-hmm. it, as it starts to get creepy, then more regulation uh, comes in.
0: And I I have a rule about creepy and, and that kind of you know, when just when you're feeling that something is uncomfortable, and you feel you might be doing something wrong, you probably are. Is is, is my kind? Yeah, that's, when, that's if right. the conscious is going. Hello, could we talk a little bit? You know, then then there's probably a reason why that little voice is is, is kicking in. Yeah, and yeah. that's really when it kicks in as well. Absolutely. And and
1: and maybe maybe for the morally autistic people out there, if you feel like you're going to make a lot of money off of it. It's highly likely to be creepy. (laughs) Like, it, it may not always be the case, but that's a good trigger to like see if it's, ask someone who could figure this out if it's creepy or not.
2: So, but I think that brings up the question around like different business models really perceiving this regulation as different. Like, I think the traditional, even like B2C kind of thing, like I buy a book, maybe I put you on my mailing list, maybe I keep that information is relatively straightforward. There's a transaction there, but it's the third party, right? The social networks that are collecting data. You don't necessarily compensate them directly, but then they're going to, um, you know, do some sort of advertising to you. Like this is the part where I think it gets extremely murky to me. Like what could a Twitter, a Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, Uh you know, name your favorite social network is. um, To your question is like, I guess you can argue if it's legitimate or not. I mean, that's the starting point, but you know, one of the things they're doing is collecting information about you, your family and interests, as a way to provide you more targeted ads. So like how does a like an entity like that start to like take you know figure out how to to deal with GDPR?
0: Well, that is a fantastically good question and the reason I think it is is because you've just hit on the whole reason why none of this is going to work. <laughs> that, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that that needs a little bit of explanation so so if i may bear with me um there, there's um there is this whole notion of legitimate interest and, and legitimate reason for holding information so on and so forth which i've talked about part of that legitimacy comes from uh what there, there's a lot of discussion uh, around consent at the moment so if you're um if you say for sure hold my information uh, and essentially, you opt in to a newsletter or, or whatever, uh, and then you check the box that says yes, and all your partners can send me stuff and And yes, anyone, you know, just do what you like, Philly boots. Uh, then then it then you're fair game because because you said um, that the, uh, the 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 other party, the provider can can do what they like. And there's um a question around the concept of ambiguity at the moment Uh, so where gdpr has said unambiguously is that it has to be unambiguous um so they you have to say we are going to use your information for these reasons is that okay then there's a question uh around uh some organizations that have to have a relationship with customers uh for a warranty or something like that they're not asking whether they um can have that relationship they're saying if you want to work with us you're going to have to accept the following criteria and that's it, it's not about consent it's about contract and and um so yeah you, if you want to work with us it's going to be the the following and if that's okay then we'll do a deal with you and you see that in the kind of uh google stuff and this is where i'm getting into the into the social um uh networking stuff where Google, I think last year they 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 put up a whole bunch of stuff around. They put up a whole bunch of stuff around. Uh, do you want to keep using our tools? In which case, here's our privacy policy. If you don't accept it, use some other use someone else's search engine. Bugger off. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really nicely, but they said, just don't talk to us then okay, there's, there's other services you can use. And, and that's where things start getting really interesting because I think that um, the social um, organizations, uh, which is already an oxymoron, are using um, their huge power in a way that they can say, by all means, go somewhere else for your search. Um, but if you are going to search with us, here's our privacy thing that... That one way or another, you're going to have to accept. And similarly, Facebook is saying, um, Facebook has taken a slightly different tack, but what they've done is they've said, you can set whatever privacy criteria you like, and here's all the menus, and here's all the sub-menus, and uh, well, if you go to this checkbox in this, um, you know, very deep in in the Facebook system, and it's kind of obvious to me as a third party, just a punter, no one's going to do that. Mm. But Facebook, clean they look like they've done all the right things and they're talking about privacy by design and so on and so forth but at the same time that kind of hides uh, obfuscation by design yeah. um and laziness yeah relying on people's laziness by design um so uh so that's that's
1: where that's where these things get really interesting yeah you know i i just uh just to like uh i don't know re- related soliloquy for a bit i don't tell me Tell me if this sort of taxonomy, if that's the right word, sort of makes sense. Like, it seems like, I don't know what you would call this kind of whatever it is we're talking about, dealing with people's data. Um, But uh, it seems like there's kind of at least two types. There's sort of like this data collection about you that you have no control or idea about it going on. And that's the kind of stuff I think classically, like, direct mail people and companies like axion and others would do they go through public records and zip code stuff and maybe if they're lucky they they get some sort of like um as you would say information from the till about people and stuff like that um Mm -hmm. and but you are not really it's not really like tracking your activity in detail uh in comparison to like i'm in facebook and like after just a little bit of use, and especially Google, like it knows what I'm interested in. It has my GPS coordinates. It knows, you know, and then if I have some sort of uh, fitness tracker, it knows everywhere I've been, how often I move. I could have like my medical record somewhere. It could be – you basically are um, kind of prostrating yourself into the the maw of the data god and just putting uh-huh. stuff in there. And you may not know it, which is often the case. And so it seems like, you know, with the one type, sort of like, let's call it people uh, observing you. I wanted to say the word spy, but I'm trying not to be too judgmental. But they're observing you from afar. Like in that movie, The Conversation, they're just sort of like watching you. Uh, but then yeah. the second type, it seems like the goal of a lot of privacy stuff is just to like educate people that you have agreed to give up all of this information. <laughs> and And to your point, right, like... I, I, I don't know what they have currently, but I remember going into that, that Facebook screen somewhere, and there's like – I feel like it's 20 or 50 options of things you can select. And it's kind of weird because the default impulse would be like, well, I'd just like to turn all of it off, I I guess. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seems like those are the two types of uh, – data that we end up talking about a fair amount and i guess there's also like industrial Mm -hmm. stuff like all your b2b information and no one cares about that probably uh but um and and it it seems like just anecdotally what i notice is like most people have no idea about any of that like like what they're being tracked about and and i feel like a lot of the motivation for a lot of privacy stuff is just to like educate people about that i guess and Mm -hmm. give them the option to do it
0: yeah, absolutely right. And I, without said, without going off on what about it, because um, uh, after several beers, I could talk about this stuff nonstop. <laughs> if you add, if you put the API into the situation, and you say, well, we can just take a bit of a feed from Facebook, a bit of a feed from Twitter, and so on and so forth, we can create in PHP something that could be very damaging to someone's privacy. Mm, right. Without anyone being implicated. So where does that go um and uh, i personally i just don't know and therefore i don't with, with the um and i'm not going to get ranty I, I, I promise i'm not going to get ranty i'll just say this with the current legislation it's really good and really important because it does regularize it does create a, a pan-european standard and it then applies because it applies to citizens not to countries uh, it then is being implemented probably in China and probably in the US and, and so on and so forth. So to bring the water line up to that level is a very
1: important thing. Yeah and, and along those lines and, and you've hit upon this a little bit but to kind of summarize it in one one thing, how would you describe what that baseline is? Because I think that's an interesting idea of we the 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 EU's trying to establish and tell me if I'm wrong, but like data protection and privacy norms i guess like this is what at least what everyone would expect that in theory you could start teaching kids in school and be like Mm. this this is the minimum amount of protection or the floor of creepiness to put it another way that is normal and you should be aware of like do do you think like i mean one is that characterization correct and then two how? What would you say those norms that are being established are to nail them down a little specifically? Okay, I, I think that
0: conflates two things. Um, G, G, here's an idea. Remember all that uh, sudden? Uh, when was? When even was this? This is the kind of Tim O'Reilly um, golden golden days of the Web two dot zero stuff, um, where the old web was all just um, just informational, and the new web was interactive and and social and that's when the Twitters and Facebook started to happen and it was all everything was two dot zero as you know you know you couldn't buy a pint of milk without it being milk two dot zero and Now, as you know, people have moved yeah they didn't even bother with three dot zero, but it's in um industry four dot zero and and goodness knows what else but that <laughs> difference between the one dot zero to the two dot zero at the time made a huge amount of sense. GDPR is a 1.0 solution in a 2.0, 3.0, goodness knows what zero world. And that's where it all falls down. So so when I say it conflates stuff, it, it's very important to manage that. So any organization that's managing static data, it's very important to make sure they're managing it in the right way. And the norms around that uh, in terms of saying why you're holding data and then It's essentially a basic quality management system uh, where you define what you're going to do with stuff and then you do what you defined. And that's a quality audit. You, You check the definitions and then you check whether they're being implemented right. That's what it's doing.
1: Um, right, so so it's more of like a uh, sort of like a process regime put in, but but surely there must be yeah. sort of like specific statements about what these things are, like like what you must do, or or as you've kind of been indicating, is it more just describing patterns of interaction, and if that pattern emerges, like just to try to nail it down, for example, if this data is given to a third party, then stuff comes into effect, or or is it more detail as far as what those patterns are of of data use that they've actually done a really good
0: job of um making it really simple, and that's where the the notion of responsibility comes into it so if you so what what I'm saying around um uh being able to justify um legitimate interest in doing things mm, right you have to be able to justify legitimate interest in giving that information to someone else. That makes Uh, sense. Or you you have to show that uh, the person consented unambiguously to you giving that information to someone else. And then, here's the clever bit, the someone else also needs to demonstrate legitimate interest for holding that information, for processing that information. So they have to explain why they've got it and and what they're doing with it and and how that's um helping the the customer and potentially they have to show they also have uh the unambiguous consent um or contractual uh, opt-in uh, by the customer.
1: Okay. Now so, th- so, so there maybe maybe there's a to use uh an RDF term from the web 2.0 days there's uh there's almost a recursive tuple of every time there's a piece of data you have to define what the data is, the justification for keeping it, and if a third party is involved, it's recursive, basically, right? Like correct. Any, like you've got to always specify any piece of data that you have. You need to. It has to be audible about what you're doing with it across across those three things, and then and then uh, everyone down the line has to specify. This is why people were sending me emails about complying to it. <laughs> yes, because if you're a. a,
0: a Every person who's holding data about an EU citizen is a data controller. Every organization who is doing that is a data controller. And these regulations apply to data controllers. Yeah, yeah. So So, if you've got... I I don't know quite... To be honest with you, if you guys have got my email address because you've got it in your address book, I don't know where the line starts to apply in mm. terms of... um, Just personal uh, relationship versus you know business and political interest, but generally it falls down on the side of you're a business, you're holding customer information, you're holding partner information. You need to say the reason I'm holding this information is because this is a a partner of mine,
1: and um, right. uh, I I email them. That's right. That's right. And we are definitely just going to post your email address on Twitter. Right. That's (laughs) that's yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, I I, I I at least have a, have a couple more questions, but one of them is, uh, so when it comes to to complying and implementing with it, like it goes into effect in like May or something, if I remember right. And, and last I checked, you all have the same Thanks calendar us, yeah. system over there. So everything will be cool. There might be that British daylight saving time at some point that always terrible week of scheduling, but I think we'll get over that and it's uh, worse for us than it is for you (laughs) that's right number
0: of meets yeah that that, the number of conference calls i've you know you get start getting that sequence of emails and messages slightly more desperate each
1: time and then the one that says it's all right we'll reschedule (laughs) exactly exactly so so the first the first question is like clear well again tell me if if my uh if my questions that end in a period uh in are incorrect here but clearly if you're like facebook or google it's just like you got your own unique problems and that's a whole other, you know, or if you're Axion or whoever, like there are mega data people and they're going to, companies and they're going to have all sorts of unique stuff. But in general, uh, like, what do you think companies and I guess other government, orga- government organizations probably need to uh, do it as well. Right. But so what do organizations need to do to figure this out? And, you know, I asked this question because, well, for many reasons, but one thing that's kind of interesting is at least in reading the, uh, the book of all knowledge, Wikipedia about it, it said there were estimates that it would just cost like $100,000 to figure it out, which that seems really low. Like that seems the amount of money most companies would spend on like paper towels in the bathroom. And so like mm-hmm. $100,000 to comply with some regulation seems exceedingly low, but maybe it's a lot easier than, uh, than I would think it was or it would be. How do they think of these figures? And I hope you
0: paid Jimmy Wells your $5, by the way.
1: <laughs> That's <it's>, right. Uh... <laughs> Not, knowledge <laughs> well, dies in darkness. You,
0: um, so every organization needs someone responsible for compliance. That's going to cost
1: $100,000. Ah, right. It,
0: it, every enterprise organization is, is going to need someone that is uh taking that is getting their head around this stuff and and most organizations do have um so i i think it's really important to understand that this is not something exceptional compared to what organizations were already trying to do when we talked about uh uh customer uh you know cyber security risk or um uh they data everything like the playstation attack where all those customer records were were lost and therefore it was a really good idea to put things in place that made that not happen mm. it's still a really good idea and by resolving that really good idea uh and responding to it you're already doing the right things so th- th- this this is not something amazingly out there this is something that organizations should have been on the path of anyway Um, In terms of, however, doing it before – well, no one's going to do it before the May 25th deadline. And also, (laughs) there's so much complexity and ramifications around it. Um, uh, The the UK's uh, Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, um, is still developing its own evolving guidance around this stuff. Mm. So in in terms of – but what if – all the what ifs. No one knows what the answers to the what-ifs are yet. And and even if they've come up with answers as one-offs, what will emerge are kind of more generalized answers to those what-ifs.
1: Yeah, I I mean, my general sense is, let's say you're someone, uh, I don't know, what pops into my head first is like Ingersoll Rand, who makes like, Engines and pumps and and a few other things. Uh, they manufacture machines. Like no one cares about the oh, price. That's of, that's of the one I was just thinking of. That's incredible. <laughs> and and so like for them, well, the, you know they they need to spend some money to make sure everything's covered and probably hire some outside consultant or hitch it to whatever thing they already have going on with one of the uh, the three or four consultancies. But you know there'll be some things like email lists and stuff they have to comply with. But basically, like for their uh, their pumps, like doesn't apply. So. They're probably pretty okay. But then if you got into an organization, I guess even if, when you, once you get into media and entertainment companies, they're the ones who have to start worrying. And then definitely once you're a Facebook, it's time to start freaking out. And I would imagine if you have like fitness trackers and things like that, you got to freak out. But the, uh, mm-hmm. there's probably a limited set of types of industries that really need to take it super seriously or <laughs> they're going to start paying 10% of their revenue if, if they screw up.
0: I, I think that the ones that were – so the, F- Facebook in this scenario reminds me a bit like Microsoft in the mm. uh, trusted computing scenario back in the day Yeah. when uh, everyone was saying, you need to sort this out. And they were doing lots of things that made it look like we were sorting it out, but a lot of them were just kind of um, noise. And over time, they did sort out a lot of things. Um, but, you know, like – interoperability. We've got an interoperability survey coming out that shows how people want interoperability. Uh, it was all just quarterback stuff, um, well they could just work out where the ball was. Um, and Facebook, similarly, they're going to be putting out a lot of stuff out there in, in terms of how they respond to privacy, etc. Google, by the way, are a lot off the hook, and it's like your engine scenario. They don't need to know who the person is that's typing in the search terms Oh, yeah, for that's them interesting. Huh. to be able to. They just need to know roughly where they are, and they can know pretty well where they are. They need to know uh, what they're typing, They um, what the person who's been typing those things typed in the past, uh, where, you know, where they've been in the past. So they can hold uh, a whole bunch of information about a random entity that's doing things
1: yeah i like i like that I like that, that's, that that's, doesn't
0: breach gdpr that that's a fun sort crazy. of
1: like uh to overthink it like a philosophic thing is like is a person the collection of all their as steve gilmore used to say gestures and all their interactions mm-hmm. or is that its own thing that is not a person and if it's not a person we don't need to worry about it but it d- does the combination of all this stuff constitute a person or not? And, and I guess it sounds like under GDPR, it, no, it does not constitute a person. <laughs> it's, just, well, it, it's just sort of like a headless idea of what might be a, a thing. <laughs> that, and this
0: is, this is why GDPR is that, – that's the main flaw in GDPR um, because it protects data about – people and it sees data as the thing and people as the the entity that's being protected what it doesn't Hmm. do is where the a bit like in the matrix when you can stare at the zeros and ones and something comes into you can see the shape of the person that's as much the person as the the person in my mind
2: just maybe a comment and just about right, your final thoughts like i I think you're kind of coming up one level from gdpr like this is you know why does this conversation happening and it's sort of this ongoing struggle of humanity of like we all as single human beings, we like the notion of free right and using free stuff, but then we often don't really understand what we're giving up you know to to get that free stuff so we don't want to pay Facebook, but we want to use Facebook and it it seems like gdpr is like yet another step in the favor of like you know having the government right regulators step in and say hey you really need to know this um as a person but i don't know you know i guess it kind of comes back to what we were talking about facebook like are people really willing to like to like actually take it on and learn it almost like password security right it's like you can just only tell people so many times to like use a good password. But, you know, I think studies show that people don't <laughs> want to do it. So I don't know. I think sometimes we think of these regulations as like these very like wonky kind of things. But underlying it is really kind of a, a more simple thing in human beings, right? Like we want free stuff. We're not really good at understanding the long term consequences. We try to fix that. And we always come up with these imperfect solutions. Uh huh.
0: Absolutely. Um, shall I respond to that? Yeah. yeah sure let me respond to that so so uh, where i where i th- obviously I, I thought about this an awful lot uh a because it's uh, immensely complicated just by the way while i think about it they started thinking about gdpr in 1995 and it's taken 12 years to come up with the pan-European legislation and, and glo- pos- potentially global legislation. That's how long this has taken. And that's why probably we're looking at it from a Web 1.0 perspective.
2: Um, sorry, 2000... Yeah, tw- uh, 22 years probably, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. it's
0: 12 years. It's 2005. My, okay. my my mistake. So they started thinking about GDPR in, in 2005 and it's taken 12 years for them to, for them to come up with this and that's why it's more of a, a web 1.0 perspective and that's the an indication of why it's here right now i think we would have carried on working in the same way of this free stuff kind of model had it not been that the yeah they thought about it all way Back then, but it's taken so long for them to actually come up with how to actually resolve it, and that's why suddenly there's there's loads of interest, and it's back to the fine. Of course, it's back to the yeah, fine. Yeah, of course, the fine. Um, but on the so on the free stuff question, um where could this possibly go? And this is where I, I put a I probably overthought it so much, but then I've kind of come back from the the brink of um, vanishing uh, <laughs> into my orifice about thinking about this stuff, but. There's G, G have coined the term digital twin. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that one on the Internet of Things side of things. Yeah, yeah. The only way that we can resolve this and actually put in place legislation that matters is not thinking about people and data. It's thinking about the two things as being synonymous. So the, the real issue that matters is not whether or not you've got my data. It's not whether or not you know why you've got it or how you're using it or whatever. The real issue is whether you uh, con me out of money, whether you steal, whether you abuse me, uh, et, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just like in the old days before we had data. And <laughs> if right. you're doing it with me in the virtual world versus the physical world, it shouldn't matter. Um, so I wonder about the, the whole privacy regulation as being a red herring in the long term and whether or not we'll actually go back to, are you try, are you misselling are you um abusing my my rights as a person are you um snooping on me et cetera et cetera versus uh the the data centric models we've got at the moment
1: mm, that that's interesting it's it's i i think it's like as ever probably what we're talking about is like anti swindling regulation <laughs> <laughs> to 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 make sure that everyone is kind of like on a fair playing field of uh transactionality or whatever which which is kind of related to the last thing i wanted to ask which is um like what do you think if if you could choose like one or two of them like what do you think maybe some unintended side effects might be of this and and for example to uh, explain what i'm saying um in highly regulated or regulated at all things one of the side effects is that uh, if you have a lot of scale, it's pretty minor to pay for the regulations. And so, for example, yeah. one would expect that Facebook would get really good at complying with this. And therefore they they would uh, be one of the places that uh, you could do whatever stuff with this that you wanted to as a third party and you would make sure that you were safe. So therefore the value of Facebook goes up compared to smaller mm-hmm. organizations. And so in fact, you know, I don't know if it's unintended, but just a side effect could be that, uh, you know, Facebook becomes more popular and cemented in with advertisers because it's a safe place for doing this. And so, I mean, are there are there other similar sort of like unintended side effects that you might see coming up because of something like this? That is a very good question. And I am thinking
0: through the answer while I talk and hope that something comes (laughs) up as I say this. Um, So out of, of every burst of uh i mean this is a kind of innovation it, it, Yeah, the, it's changing the world and yeah, you know, the man is uh optional on that uh it's changing the world man and therefore new new types of organization will emerge that that are coming out of this and one of the things that will color those organizations i i don't but i don't buy into this idea that you know we'll go with the, the more responsible ones i think we'll go with the ones that provide us the services that mm-hmm. we need um, without pain and fear. And over time, so for example, the whole real big battle is is between Facebook and Google, right, on, on that note. But then it's also um, between, uh, as Amazon gets the, the whole artificial intelligence machine learning side of things, I think it's going to be a really fascinating area because that's where the algorithms start to apply. And that's where the aggregated data and the aggregated knowledge starts to apply. So I think it's going to be the organizations that get their heads around how to apply machine learning without being fantastically creepy. Right. That will be the ones that we start to move towards.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Like, like especially with to pick the easiest machine learning thing, right? Like, facial recognition, it's almost like there's a question of if you build up a corpus of facial recognition stuff, which is based on pictures of actual people's faces, (laughs) like, does that constitute the philosophic switchover such that you have information about a person that you're sharing with someone else? Because there's almost like, uh, what's the word? There's this proxy of however it is you boil down machine learning stuff to extract out this information and like i don't know it's a little weird to argue that like if i'm in a facial recognition database is that my data or have they just extracted some pattern that i represent mm. and who knows <laughs> like i i wouldn't know how to answer that question but that's uh i could see that as you build up more machine learning stuff which again is just sort of like extracting patterns in aggregate but of individuals. Like how is that represented in all of this? Well,
0: well and then there's a question of so if you've got the the data points that enable the fingerprint it's a bit like a, a two factor authentication, right? If you've got the key that enables something to be unlocked, is that information about the person or is that information that helps you unlock the information about the person? Yeah, that's a good metaphor. They both get to they both get to the same point. Yeah, so, yeah yeah, so then then you end up with your private key which is your face and your public
1: key which is uh, the ability for someone to say yep that's your face i like that, that that's uh, a good statement that would be in a sci-fi movie is is my, my face <laughs> my face is my private key like i saw exactly. the uh i finally watched the most recent blade runner movie and there's there's a couple of scenes where the replicant you know no spoilers uh goes in to i guess do the uh the 2049 version of the void comp test and like there's like, there's like this shockingly weird thing said, and he's just supposed to respond with like a serial number or something, and they're trying to like trip him up. And so that would be a good phase, my, my, a phrase, my, my face is my private key uh, t- <laughs> to log in. All right. Well, great. Well, I think that was, uh, that was a good overview of what that is. I definitely feel smarter. And uh, I don't know. We might need a budget for some uh, GDPR stuff. Probably not. At all, but uh, well, I
0: feel more stupid. <laughs>
1: well, well, that that is a common uh, side effect of encountering me. I find when I give a talk, very rarely there are questions at the end, and uh, so I like to say stupefaction is a common result. Uh, but so uh, you know, um, I, I I should have you back on at some point to talk about all the constellation of other topics you have. They're very interesting. But I think, uh, like myself and other people, you have about fifty different points of contact on the internet. But why don't don't you give us some of the highlights uh, if people want to follow up and and see what else you're up to. And I I mean, I would recommend people uh, following like the the newsletter and the column that you have always very well reasoned. But uh, for sure. What what are the places?
0: Uh, uh, Just just for the purposes of this, the easiest way to the skyhook, if you like, is my Twitter handle, which is Jono, J-O-N-O. Mm hmm. And from there, in my uh, bio, there's a link to my newsletter.
1: Yeah, so, and and so, I uh, I admire yeah, the way in your together. newsletter that you have like you almost have the newsletter is like the Economist Espresso of of all your other stuff. It's just like every now and then you allow yourself like two paragraphs, but it's basically like a paragraph of longer pieces that you've done with some nice little lists in there. But it's it's always Thank good you. content. Well, uh, you know, great. This this as we were telling John, this has been the first uh, episode of our software defined. Interviews uh, series we got all sorts of uh, rejiggering around that we 're going to do for that, but uh, the good news is just more like uh, speaking of free free content for for listeners um, and to be honest i don 't really know what domain name we 're going to use maybe we 'll do software defined interviews that's I love a clunky domain name, but uh, anyhow if you 're listening to this you've probably found out how to how to uh, subscribe to it and everything and uh, as always, if you want to join us in our slack channel where we uh, we sort of preview topics that we'll talk about. And, and we have enough people in there now, too, that there's sort of uh, their own kind of discussion going on about what's in the tech world. But if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, there's a little link to uh, Slack. If you like URLs, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash Slack. Uh, just go directly to it. And then also, we also have our own uh, newsletter that we send out about every week. And um, it rounds up all the content and kind of like the, uh, I don't know, the community of software defined talk that we have and uh, also all the links that mostly me, but uh, that we've sort of found that are interesting during the week. So you can uh, keep up on things. It's kind of the opposite of an economist espresso. It's not very concise, but uh, it's, it's all right. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.